Welcome to Problem Solve, the podcast where me and a special co-host solve all your problems really easily, probably. Hello, I'm Jeff Gunther, licensed professional counselor. Welcome to Problem Solve, where me and a co-host talk to a caller, give them advice, they go do that advice, and then come back to tell us how wonderful or not so wonderful the advice is. It's a very satisfying podcast. You get everything you want in this one hour. You're welcome. Today, Julie Jeske, my co-host from last week, is joining me again to talk with Nikki. Nikki has her own podcast. She's the co-host of Double Teamed. I was on that podcast before, and it was probably their best episode ever. I think everybody can agree. Uh, Nikki is struggling with the age-old problem of feeling really anxious and really overwhelmed and kind of insecure when you first start dating someone, you know. You know what that feels like, right? Uh, You first start dating somebody. You start to develop some feelings, right? You spend time together. And when you're together, it feels so good and gooey and connecting. And then you leave each other to go do your normal lives. And you're like, I want some, I want more texts. I want more reassurance. I really want this person to tell me how much they like me. I would prefer if I was being love-bombed right now so I don't have to feel so uncertain and overwhelmed, right? Well, uh, it's hard <laughs> to deal with that, that, that place, that stage of the relationship. And me and Julie give Nikki some pretty amazing advice, I think. Well, Nikki will be the judge of that. And it got me thinking about what it was like when I first started dating and I was experiencing these feelings. I remember my first girlfriend, it was eighth grade. Her name was Tammy. I'm not sure if she would agree that we were boyfriend and girlfriend. We never labeled it, but in my head, I was like, this is obviously my first girlfriend. There was no handholding or kissing. There was only hanging out at um, Barnes and Noble and sometimes Borders. Which was actually, you might think like, wow, that sounds like incredibly boring to hang out in a big bookstore. But that was the place to be when you're in middle school in Santa Monica, California. I think you, you know, the Gen Xers, elder millennials know what I'm talking about. But I remember feeling incredibly anxious when I was dating Tammy. We rarely got to go out on dates to Barnes and Noble because her parents didn't want us to date. Her parents didn't want her to date. She was in she was in eighth grade. They're like, this is this is not gonna happen. So I think we only went on like three or four dates. I was I was hijacked by anxiety the whole entire time. I did not even know that I could ask for her to soothe me or give me reassurance. And I'm not sure she would have done that. <laughs> I don't, I think she was like, we were going on these dates, but I'm not sure how much she was into it, which is really uh, such a shame. It was one, of, it was, it's, it's unfortunate that my first experience was like me really falling for somebody and her being like, what are we doing here? Right. And then she was just like, we're not doing this anymore. Uh, I moved on eventually to um, date someone else, and I cannot remember their name. And I and I spent a long time before recording this podcast trying to remember her name. Uh, maybe it was a Sarah, a Stephanie, Crystal. That just came to me right now. I think her name is Crystal. We'll call her Crystal. Crystal also, huh? 
Seems like I was developing a pattern back then. Crystal also wasn't allowed to go on dates. And so she had to uh, find ways to sneak out (laughs) with her friends. And her friends would drop her off to hang out with me. And I was just head over heels for Crystal. We would write each other letters. It was very adorable. But she went to a different school. And so I was, again, hijacked and filled with anxiety. And it made it so that, like, I wasn't good at doing schoolwork or I was having a hard time being present with friends. And, again, I, I, didn't, I wasn't able to put a name to these feelings, which was pretty unfortunate for me. That also only lasted maybe a few dates because she was just like, this is too difficult to do, sneaking out, not letting my parents know, which was understandable. Eventually, I got to the point where I was dating somebody who was in my condominium complex. Uh, She was in apartment 15. I was in apartment 30. Oh, my God. So much relief doing that because she was always right there. I could knock on her door. She could knock on my door. It was very sweet. This was the time of uh, America Online, like AIM chatting, right? My first AOL username was Brain. No numbers, no letters after. Just Poo Brain, classic, amazing <laughs> AOL name. Hers was Cack for All, which is an inside joke that I'm not going to explain. And we would so we would talk to each other on AOL. We would see each other all the time, and it was there was no anxiety because there was so much time that we spent together. And then eventually, I dated my first like real long term girlfriend was Adrian, and she was uh, it was my senior year of high school. We dated for a couple of years, a year after high school ended, and we were just sort of like automatically codependent. And it was at that point where I was like, oh, I don't feel anxious anymore when I first start dating somebody. Um, but my codependency, my enmeshment with Adrian made it so that I just never felt anxious. And she happily was codependently attached to me. After that, it was Marissa. Again, a very codependent relationship. No anxiety. I was cured is what I thought. And then that relationship lasted a few years. I eventually moved to Portland, Oregon, started dating in Portland when I was 24. And all the anxiety came rushing back, which was a real bummer for me because I thought that it was gone. I thought that I was cured and that I was incredibly healthy. Turns out I wasn't. It was just codependent relationships that were getting me through the initial anxiety. You know, we were both love bombing each other, that sort of stuff. So then I was like, okay, I'm 24. I got to figure out what the hell is going on here. And so I learned to to cope with it. At first, I would just sort of sit with the un, in the uncertainty that was causing the anxiety. I was trying to be really present. So I was focusing on like how the anxiety feels within my body. I feel it in my chest. I feel it in my back, right? And then I was starting to talk to the anxiety, come up with like, all right, so you're telling me that the anxiety is coming up with thoughts that this person isn't, doesn't like you as much. They are going to leave you. They're interested in somebody else. You, They think you're so stupid or not good looking. So I was like, well, maybe that's not true. And I was trying to give like counter arguments to it. So doing some sort of like, you know, personal narrative therapy on myself. I was distracting myself, playing lots of Mario Kart, spending time with friends, playing basketball. And, and then I was starting to kind of like take the anxiety and be like, well, you know what? Anxiety feels awfully close to excitement. Maybe I'm just really excited to see them. And that really worked well for me. That doesn't work well for everybody, but excitement and, and like tension and anticipation can feel really fun and spicy. So I can like go ahead and feel that way when I'm not feeling instead of feeling really anxious and insecure, right? I also started to be really compassionate with myself, like, oh, babe, it's okay. You're in a really uncertain place. That's fine. So 
practicing self-compassion, going to therapy about it, where, where I was able to like understand the roots and where it came from and what it was doing to my brain. Then it would, it would like the anxiety would hijack my brain. Right. So I didn't have like access to all the other different parts of my brain, like my frontal lobe or the cortex where I can think rationally, logically, practically. So the way to get in touch with like the really rational, logical part of my brain was to do rational, logical things like math, (laughs) So I do like sort of like semi-difficult long division. I would um, do puzzles or crosswords, right? And if I'm in that part of my brain, it's hard to be hijacked by anxiety from the other part of my brain. And that would be really soothing. And now I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm actually really good at being present with the anxiety and the uncertainty and turning it into an ex- into excitement and finding ways so that it's not like overwhelming and hijacking me. And I and as a therapist, I started to specialize in people that felt anxious in relationships. So it's like <laughs> I'm going to do my best to be a good therapist for them and while well, it happened what happened is that like I was able to soothe my own anxiety in relationships as well. Is that interesting to you? I I think maybe it's kind of interesting. Anyways, we are going to start the show. I can't wait for you to go on this journey with me. I'm so happy you're here. Today, I have Julie Jeske back as my co-host. Say hi, Julie. Hi. Hi. Can you tell everybody where they can find you if they want more, Julie? Yep. I have a website, juliejeske.com, or I'm mostly on Instagram these days, Julie underscore Jeske. Yeah. And you've been a therapist for how many years now? Oh my gosh. It'll be 15 years this summer that I've been in private practice, right? Right. Like that's a big deal. Yeah. I know I'm a little old lady, little old lady therapist. (laughs) Can you tell everybody real quick what you did before you were a sex therapist? Uh, I mean, I did a lot of different things, but the, are you think, talking about when I would sell sex toys at people's yeah. houses? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I would like carry giant bins of sex toys into people's houses and we would have a party and I was hilarious and charming and would help demystify some of the scary stuff about sex. And then we'd go into rooms and I would sell them toys and people opened their hearts up in ways that blew me away. That's mm. what made me want to be a therapist. Like mm-hmm. the way people were so open and vulnerable and trusting. It was so incredibly moving. Yeah. And Julie Mm -hmm. is such a natural therapist. You're so good. Even with your friends, you're just, you give the best (laughs) advice. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, And today I have Nikki coming on to talk to us about her problem. Nikki is part of a duo. She has a twin sister, Cammie, and Nikki and Cammie are on the Double Teamed podcast, which is one of my very favorite podcasts. I was actually on their podcast recently and we talked about when you start dating somebody and you, you then eventually like define the relationship, I think one of the questions you should ask is, what is our breakup plan? Oh. So I will tell you all the ways that I want you to break up with me. <laughs> it should be on a Thursday or a Friday. It should start with a text message. It should be after uh-huh. 6 p.m. Because I want wow. the whole weekend to recover. Wow. I don't have to go back into work on Monday or like Tuesday <laughs> or something. Uh, it was a really good conversation. That's fun. And today, Nikki is coming in. And she's going to be talking about how she just started seeing somebody new, right? And she's Mm -hmm. really excited. And I think it's, like, very relatable. You start dating somebody new. You start spending a lot of time with them. All the feelings start to come up. And then there's that sort of, like, very normal uh, dating sort of, like, uncertainty that you have to cope with, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. 
Yeah. One of the things she said that I loved that I think is so relatable is like, it feels hot and cold when we're together versus when we're not. Right. Mm -hmm. And so those, like, what do we do when we're feeling so certain and then not feeling so certain sometimes with a new person? Exactly. And she wants to know how to handle that. She's getting the feeling that maybe she should speak up Mm -hmm. and ask for more reassurance, but we've talked about different options. You can either text and say, you know, well, I'm not going to spoil it for you. Don't actually. spoil it. No, I'm not yep. going to spoil <laughs> Make it. Make them listen, Jeff. You have to listen to the whole episode. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so you're going you're gonna to listen to the problem and then you're going to hear the advice and then Nikki's going to come back and tell us uh, how everything went and if she followed our advice. So, okay, here we go. This is a podcast where we explore the intricate world of relationships and navigate the complexity of mental health together. I am Jeff Gunther, a licensed therapist, but in this space, I'm your host, not your personal therapist or the therapist for our guests. This show offers a platform for open conversations about relationship and mental health challenges, providing insights and perspectives for educational and entertainment purposes only. It's crucial to remember that our discussions do not replace professional therapy or constitute a therapist-client relationship between myself, our callers, or you, our listeners. If you're dealing with personal struggles or seeking support, I urge you to consult with a qualified professional who can provide the personalized care you deserve. Thank you for being here. Let's dive in. Hello, Nikki. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. How are your holidays? Oh, they're, they went pretty, they went pretty good. They were pretty boring in, in like a good way. Yeah. That's, that's what I was aiming for. Can you introduce yourself to everybody? Absolutely. Um, I'm Nikki. I'm the host of the Double Team podcast. And how are your holidays? Pretty good. Also boring. Yeah. yeah. I'm not a big holiday person. No. I mean, like, I really like New Year's Eve and um, I like Halloween. But that's about it. Do you put a lot of pressure on New Year's Eve? No, I don't. No. <laughs> I mean, I like that, like, we're, like, welcoming, like, new energy. And I like that, like, it's a big celebration. And it's, like, very nostalgic because you can reflect on the year past and, like, you know, like, have goals and stuff for the year ahead. Um, but, yeah, that's about it, I yeah. think. And you're, are, is, we're going to ask you, like, what your problem is, and we're going to try to solve it. And is, is New Year's Eve part of, like, the story of the problem? Is it in there? I guess part of it. Part in of a it? way, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can I, well, explain later. Yeah, why don't you tell us what's going on? What can we help you with today? Well, so I'm trying to think because right now we're at January. So about two, three weeks ago, I went to a concert and I met this guy and I hit it off with him and we went home together and you can guess what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and... And then we were like inseparable for three days and it was really great. And I really enjoyed all of it. And then like I left for the holidays, he left for the holidays. And I was hoping like during that time, like we would like still text and communicate, but it was like hardly anything, like hardly any communication. So it was very like interesting considering that we had like a few days where we were like very into each other. Mm -hmm. And at first I was like really worried, but then when we came back, um, the night that he landed, I went to see him again and we were, he was like all over me. It was like right back to where we started. And I was like, okay, cool. And then like, we texted very sporadically for, you know, another day or two. And then we had plans to like go together to a bunch of raves for new year's Eve. And so new year's Eve was great. And we spent a ton of time together and like, you know, 
we were just having a blast together and I loved it. But then it's like, you know, now it's been a few days after and like, I hear it from him, but it's like very sporadic and like, I get it. Not everyone is like a huge texter, but I am someone that likes communication and, you know, I don't need to know like what he's doing 24 seven, but it would like be, it would be nice to like, know. okay, like, you know, let's check in in a few hours. Maybe we can make plans, whatever. But like, instead it's just kind of like sporadic and it mm-hmm. just feels hot and cold. Yeah. It's interesting that raves are still a thing. I had no <laughs> idea. Are you fucking kidding me? Is this oh, like 100%. a... Yeah. Are there like big warehouses that you go to? Who's having these raves? So there, these are like festivals. Well, there were some afters that were at definitely at warehouses. Uh-huh. Um, but even at like in SoCal, we have like Insomniac. They host a bunch of raves. Oh. And then one of them was Crossed, which is down in San Diego, which is like really well known for like house and techno. Huh. Is everyone on drugs? Is it like the raves of the 90s? Like everyone's on ecstasy or Molly or... Yeah. I mean, I, you know, personally, (laughs) I do my own thing. Um, But yes, people partake in party favors. Absolutely. Jeff looks nostalgic right now. Look at him. Oh, it was just, I just, I'm remembering the raves in the nineties and there was like, people had like, oh, what, what, what are the things that babies put pacifiers, pacifiers. with acid? Yeah. But that, do they still do that? Are there people still have the pacifiers in their mouths at raves? And yeah. Yeah. I remember actually one of the very first times I ever went to a rave, this was EDC like 2018. It's in Las Vegas. Uh-huh. And I saw a pacifier on the ground and I was like, who brought a baby to a rave? <laughs> and someone was like it's not for a baby it's for acid and i was like oh that makes sense so does did the the boy that we're talking about did he have a pacifier in his mouth because if so this conversation isn't over (laughs) you're never seeing this guy ever again right uh no he did not he did not no pacifiers were present um but yeah but we had a lot of fun and jeff if you want to go to rave sometime just let me know we can make it happen i will let you know i want to relive my youth um, okay. But back to the, the problem here. Did you feel like he was like love bombing you? Like, did it feel at all manipulative or, uh, like there was some sort of power uh, thing going on? It definitely feels genuine. Like okay. I wouldn't say, I definitely thought about that. I was like, okay, is it a little love bomb when we're mm-hmm. together? But like, it felt genuine. He introduced me to all of his friends that were there with him. Mm. And like, you know, he told me like, that he really enjoys spending time with me. He said the same thing to my sister. We like, Mm -hmm. you know, had some really great conversations. Um, And he even told me like when he came back from his trip, he's like, sorry, I'm not the greatest texter. I've missed you. How are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. So it's like, I think it's just like how he kind of like operates on a day to day. And like I said, it's fine. It's just one of those things that it's like, if we're going to continue this and like keep it moving forward, I think I definitely want to have a discussion with him about like, more more consistent communication doesn't need to be constant but more consistent but then i was thinking about that and i'm like well what if i'm like you know hey can we like check in more or like text more or like you know plan a little bit more like what if he's like no that's just not what i do (laughs) i don't know because that's a possibility julie what are your thoughts so far well i mean i i love that um 
this is about solving a problem. And to some degree, you know, one of the solutions <laughs> to your problem, right? Which is having more clear communication around it or sharing your expectations or making a request around your hopes. But this twofold piece of like, but what if I do that? And then he says, no, then what do I do? Like, that's a whole different problem, which makes it really vulnerable. Like it's so easy. I think Jeff for us to be like, just communicate, but there's so much fear around when I actually say the thing, what if they can't do the thing I'm requesting or won't do it? Mm -hmm. And that's what I was thinking too. I'm like, what if I make this request? And like, I mean, he's, from my understanding, he's been, he's been single for a little while. He got out of some really bad relationships and has been like focusing on himself, which I champion. I get it. You know, I had a divorce two years ago and like, I've been also single for the last, you know, at least six months and everything before that was also still pretty casual and like kind of situationship E. So like, I get it from that regard where it's like, maybe he's just not used to communicating with someone all the time and that's fine. And, but then it made me think, I'm like, okay, well, if I make this request, like is, what if it is too much for him? What if he's like, well, you know, I'm just not ready to kind of put that energy into someone again. And like, I don't want to do that. Like, is it, a, I, I guess I'm probably gonna have to make the decision of like, whether or not I'm willing to accept that, but I also really like him and we have great energy together. And I'm like, I don't want to give it up just because like, it's not, my style of communication. Sure. And, and so, and let's think of the alternative cause you do not have to say, this is what I want. Can we do more communication and texts? Like you can just sit in the uncertainty, which feels anxious, right? Why are you smirking mm-hmm. at me like that? <laughs> because I was thinking about how earlier I'm literally just sitting there and I'm like, I'm not going to text him. I'm just going to wait and see when he texts me next. And I'm like, let's so just is it pretty sit. painful. Yeah. yeah. Is it hard to do? Sometimes there are times you're like, I mean, I have my own shit going on too, you know? So it's like, I have times where I'm like, you know, I'm going to the gym, I'm taking care of the pets, I'm doing stuff for the pod. I've got all this stuff going on. So like, if I don't hear from him, fine. But then there are other times where I'm like, oh, I wish we could make plans to like go hang out, you know, or like, I wonder how he's doing, but you know, Mm -hmm. I haven't talked to him in eight plus hours. And I mean, I guess like, I, I don't mind initiating, but I also want to see like, you know, both mm-hmm. sides initiating. Uh, sure. Of course. Does the anxiety feel like exciting? Does it feel like anticipatory? Does it feel like fun tension? No. no. <laughs> Is it just <laughs> uncomfortable? No. Do you see what I was trying to do there, Julie? I do. I it do. did not work. You're it, working hard. <laughs> Yeah, that was a failure. I don't think uncertainty is exciting, but that's me personally. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree too, but sometimes we can be like, so sometimes anxiety can feel uncertain and scary and fearful, or sometimes that same anxiety, we can put a different narrative on it. Mm -hmm. And there's like, oh, I can't wait to see him. This like, it's creating like butterflies in my tummy. I have like, there's like tension building up and I can't wait to like fuck him or make out with him or do all this stuff, you know? And it can like, be more exciting. Uh, but that takes a lot of like, you got to be deliberate about like creating that story around the anxiety. That's just sort of like maybe a coping technique that you can try if you decide to not speak up about what you want. I'm also interested, like, is, is this any sort, is there, is this like a pattern of yours? Do you typically find yourself connected to people where they're like not texting or communicating as much as you'd like them to? Mm. I wouldn't say it's a pattern because at least like in my previous relationships, like my ex-husband and I, we were together for 10 years. We texted all the time. 
probably, you know, granted, like when he would be off at work, we, we wouldn't text as much. And like, obviously when we spent the day together, it wouldn't be like a whole lot, but I would say like, we would at least consistently check in with each other. So I was very used to that. Mm-hmm. And then I remember after my divorce, there was a guy I met, um, we dated for probably about a year and we communicated pretty consistently. Um, and then same with another guy. So it's like, I've always been kind of used to having pretty consistent communication. Now I have had it before where someone was like texting me all the time and I had to be like, yo, I have shit going on. I can't be on my phone 24 seven, but like, I like being able to like have like a little bit of consistent communication throughout the day, you know? So, Mm -hmm. but I guess I would say like in the past if there was someone that like didn't communicate with me a whole lot, a lot of times it just made me feel like they weren't interested. That's how I would like channel that or like, that's how I would view it. And so like, that's why I'm saying with, with him, you know, I see him and it's great in person and then we don't text at all or hardly, you know, when we're apart. So then it makes me wonder, I'm like, well, maybe he's just not that interested, but when we're together, he likes it. Cause like, you know, it's fun and you know, we're at raves and we have sex after and you know, mm-hmm. that's all great. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe that's it. I don't know. When you're together, I mean, when you're not at raves and having sex, are you, do you talk a lot? Like, are you really communicative with each other? Or is it more just spending time together doing separate things or spending a lot of physical connection during your time together? I would say usually like we're hanging out at one of our places and like we're watching TV. We do talk, you know, we'll like talk about things, you know, like from our past or just like getting to know each other. Obviously there's the physical side as well, but it's like so much of the time that we've spent has been like at events that uh, like, yeah. and cause it has, you know, and it's so yep. new that we haven't spent a whole lot of time, like not at a rave. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to so many raves. I, okay, I probably go to about at least eight a year. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, that's still a decent amount. What was the the concert that you met at? Who was playing there? It was John Summit. It was at the BMO Stadium. It was great. We had a really great time. Oh. It was very, like, serendipitous. How did, did oh. he go up to you? Like, how did the meeting? So we met up with a group of friends that we knew from a different um, party and they, he was with them. And so like, we were just kind of all together and I was just completely dancing on my own. Wasn't really paying any attention to him towards the end of the night. We kind of gravitated towards each other. And then after we all went to go hang out at another house and that's when him and I started kind of talking more and spending more time together. And I was like, Oh, this guy is really cool. Mm -hmm. I really like him. I'm also someone that like, I, I'm someone that knows very quickly, like, And I don't know if it's the same for everyone. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on this, but like, I usually know within a few hours, like, oh, this is someone that I would like actually want to like spend some time with and get to know, or this is someone that like probably just friends or like, maybe we'll hook up every now and then and you know, whatever. But like, I, I feel like I can usually sense pretty quickly if this is, if it's like a connection that I want to like explore like further or like someone that I could like actually see wanting to like date or something like that. And within that like first night that we spent together, I was like, Oh yeah, I, I would want to like explore this and see how it goes. Are those feelings like really big feelings that overwhelm you? Or is it more of like an intuition or a gut feeling that like, this is a person that could be special? It's definitely an intuition. Um, Mm. and I think I've developed it really well over the years because so far it has 
not really led me astray. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell the story when I met my ex-husband, I was 18. Mm-hmm. Um, he was my, he, he taught one of my classes. Um, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> I was flight Hot. training and he taught the ground school that we had to mm-hmm. go through in order for like pilot's license. You have to do ground school. And so he taught that class. And so I had to go to it every Monday night and that's how we met. But, um, I remember the first time that we like actually spent time together, just him and I, Immediately, I was like, this is the man I'm going to marry one day. And a month in, I was like, we're going to get married one day. And he didn't wow. run. So, uh, <laughs> so like, I have a strong intuition. And I'm not saying that, like, this guy is, like, someone that I'm going to marry. I'm just saying that, like, immediately, I was like, oh, this is someone that I could, you know, really see myself getting to know. And, like, I want to explore it and I want to see how it goes. Um, so it's, yeah. I, yeah. I like to trust my intuition. Yeah. It sounds like you have like a really good connection with your intuition. We want you to trust your intuition as well. It seems like it hasn't led you astray before. So that's good. Mm -hmm. Do you know like what kind of relationship you're wanting with this guy? Yes. Because I've spent the last year really defining what I want in a relationship because I ended my, or my marriage ended two years ago and that was non-monogamous. We were open. It was well, I guess you could say it was polyamorous because he had a girlfriend. Um, and when they decided that they wanted children, we parted ways because I wasn't ready for that. And it was a whole thing and we're still very amicable, but anyways, but I spent, you know, the time after that ending kind of figuring out like, do I want non-monogamy? Do I want polyamory? Do I want monogamy? Like, what is it I want? And I kind of explored everything. Like, I was in a throuple. I dated multiple men, blah, blah, blah. And I finally decided that like, I'd like a relationship that starts off monogamous so we can build a foundation and get to know each other, build trust, have, you know, a sense of like security together. And then perhaps one day when we feel ready, I'd like to like open that up to maybe like monogamish. So maybe some play parties here and there, maybe some threesomes doing something together and just start there. If it progresses, great. I don't know. Um, But that right there is like my starting point currently. Sure. Have you two talked about that? Very briefly, but we were both inebriated and he was like, I feel like we should have this discussion when we're not (laughs) fucked up. I got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when was the last time you heard from him? Uh, this morning. Very briefly. Oh, okay. Who texted who? He texted me um, saying something about his morning. I haven't heard from him since. I think he went into work. So, and then I had stuff going on. I will say this. what I From what I do remember when we had that conversation, he was, because he asked me, he was like, what are you looking for? And I was like, a relationship. And he was like, uh, basically saying that like, he's finally gotten to like a really good place where he's at in his like single life. He got out of like some kind of bad relationships. And so he wasn't really like anticipating, you know, looking for anything serious. And that's why he wanted to continue the discussion later. So, Mm. yeah. So do you have a feeling that he kind of wants to like take it slow? Cause he wasn't like planning to meet somebody right now. Maybe. And if that's the case, that's fine. I mean, I'm not saying that I have to like, you know, 
immediately jump into like a relationship right away. But I did tell him, I was like, look, if this is just friends with benefits for you, like you don't see this progressing past a physical relationship, I'm out. Cause I can't do that anymore. I don't want any more situationships. And he was cool with that. Yeah. He understood it. Yeah. Yeah. And when he texted you this morning, did that make you feel really good and connected and not anxious anymore? It did. I mean, and I don't know if that's bad, but like, I find that when he does text me or like initiate a conversation, like it does calm my anxieties around the lack of communication or it makes me feel like, okay, you know, Mm -hmm. it gives you reassurance. Yeah, exactly. Reassurance. Yeah. 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 And is it bad to ask for reassurance? Julie, what are you asking the wrong? I mean, both Jeff and I, I know how you would answer this. Like, absolutely. It's not wrong to ask for assurance, reassurance. Like it's totally okay to want reassurance. What, where it can get tricky, I think is if we really want it and we're not vocalizing that, and then we create a story around not getting it, or we create a story around, you know, we're needy and there, you know, it's like, it gets so much easier. And so I'm always a big fan of being really clear about what what will, what we what will feel good to us, you know, because yeah. if you yeah. want to be in relationship with someone, they probably want to make you feel good. And so kind mm-hmm. of giving them the keys to that, like, here are things that make me feel really connected. Here are things that give me reassurance. Here are things that make me feel chosen or feel, um, here are things that make me feel desired can be really good information, even early on dating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that like Nikki's also a little, I think you're a little like, concerned about speaking up so early in getting to know somebody, right? Yeah. And you're afraid that it's going to come off as unattractive because you're, you're asking for more right now that you aren't quite, you don't know if he's like ready for that. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So there's the question too, like how soon do you speak up? Mm -hmm. I know that's what I'm saying. It's like, I hate the first part of a relationship like this because you're just like, you don't know what to do. You're like, am I going to come off too needy? Am I going to come off to this? Like da, 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 da. And it's just like, I'm someone that like, I wish everyone would just throw away the freaking rule book and be like, this is what I want to do. What do you want to do? You know? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like how I want to approach it. But I understand that like, not everyone is like that. And so I'm trying to exercise patience. Well, what do you, what do you think about the, like, if he's the right person for you, then he will be able to like meet those needs really mm-hmm. early on. Like he's, you're not going to scare away somebody who's like a really good match for you. Yeah. Do you believe in that? No, I absolutely do. I mean, it kind of reminds me back to like what I was talking about with my ex-husband, you know, we were a month into mm-hmm. our relationship and I was like, we're going to get married someday. And he didn't run. And I <sighs> like every single time I think about like, you know, saying something too early or whatever, I think back to that moment because it showed me that like, if someone also is like into it and, you know, wants to see where it goes and wants to take it somewhere, like when you say things like that, they're not going to run because it doesn't scare them. Or at least like they're at a point where they're like, okay, you know, maybe we're not going to get married, but I understand the sentiment. And like, I understand that this, you know, this could go somewhere. So let's see how it goes. And so, and then we did get married. And it lasted 10 years. <laughs> so there, so let's think about some of the solutions, Julie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of them is already one that we've been talking about yep. is just like speaking up and asking mm-hmm. for what you want. Another one, which seemed like Nikki wasn't super into it was just to kind of like sit with the anxiety right. as long as you can and try to like maybe create different stories or narratives around it. Another one that we haven't really talked to, but I'm not sure open to it right now is like, 
and, and maybe you're already doing this, but like going on dates with other people, is that like, are you interested in doing that to kind of take your mind off of things? I'm not opposed to it. Um, I guess I just haven't really had the time to do that or like have had the interest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I had a, like a fuck buddy before this right. guy who, mm-hmm. you know, we used to see each other pretty often two ish times a week, most of the time, unless we were like traveling or whatever. And so, you know, like that could be like a, an avenue, but mm-hmm. I find myself like not wanting that as much, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah, if, if that's, if you're not feeling magnetized to doing something like that, then yeah, definitely don't force it. But sometimes that can be like a fun distraction and keep mm-hmm. your mind off of things. Um, any other possible solutions you're thinking about, Julie? Well, I mean, it when you're talking, Nikki, about, about all of this, like it sounds really clear that you like this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that you're wanting things to, when I say progress, I don't mean like we're getting on an escalator and like getting married or what, you know what I mean? But like, you're wanting to continue dating him and spending time with him. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, I guess I'm curious about like, when you imagine having the conversation with him about wanting more texting, like, what would you say? I think I would say that I would appreciate more communication because otherwise it makes me feel as if like there isn't an interest there. I don't know if that's the right way to word it. And maybe we can work on that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of this one solution is we can help you brainstorm things you might say. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think I'd say that like, you know, Hey, I really like you. I want to see where this goes. But at the same time, when we're apart, it feels like we just don't communicate that much. And it makes me feel as if maybe you're not that interested and that can feel discouraging. And so like, I, maybe I would at least want some clarity around that. But like, if we are going to continue this, if I would ask him if he would be willing to communicate more, not, you know, or at least see what he, where he would be willing to compromise. Oh, you're pretty sure he's going to say no, or he's going to like counter in some way. I don't know. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe I'm, I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt and I'm like, oh yeah, he's going to say no, but yeah, it's kind of like what you were saying earlier. I don't want to scare him. So I kind of want to make it seem like, you know, it can go slow and Uh at whatever makes him feel comfortable. Like I'm willing to accommodate that. We Which can I don't know accommodate his needs and we can also accommodate your needs, Ooh. right? Like, yes. <laughs> and, and maybe it, the way that you even like talked about sending him that text and what you would send it, you were sort of like, mm-hmm. you were like closing in on yourself. Mm-hmm. It seemed like you were cringing the whole time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you pick up maybe on that, Julie? Yeah. And yeah. like judging your, like almost like, yeah. here's what I want, but it's not that big of a deal, but I feel this way, but it's kind of like almost like, um, talking him out of saying yes. Like, right. I think there are ways to ask for things we want that are where, where we seem like, oh my gosh, you have to say yes to it. And there are ways to ask for things that we want that are like no big deal. You know what I mean? Like there's a way to be like, Hey, I really like hanging out with you. I would love a little more texting during the day. Is that something you're open to? Which is not like I'm needy and oh, please. You know what I mean? But it's just like, can you say that again? <laughs> 
I'd like to write that down for Is this the homework? Is this the homework, Jeff? This is the homework. Julie is going to verbatim the text and Nikki's going to write it down. Yeah. Okay. So here's, here's how I start things like this. I start with something yummy or I start with something I like. Hey, I'm thinking about you and the last time we were together or, Hey, I love, like I'm loving, um, something, something about him or something about your time together. Um, I would love to hear from you more during the day. I'm a texter. Is that something you're open to? Short and sweet is how I like it. And you're really good at writing those texts, Julie. (laughs) Uh, The more you go on and on, the more it feels, it feels awkward. You know, it it, it might be received as endearing, but it's like, kind of like what you're over explaining things. Just ask for what you want. And see how he responds. Yeah, what you want is not bad. Do you know what I'm Mm-mm. saying? Like, there's no, there's some people love texting. Some people don't. We all kind of come with our um, default ideas about how to do relationship and our default ideas about like how to connect with other people. And sometimes we're not super attached to them, but I can't know what you're expecting or wanting unless you share it with me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So we need to give him all the information and then see what he does with it. Like, does he respond really well? Does he respond like yeah. a fucking turd? We don't know. So, <laughs> right. uh, we're going to find out once you send this text, how he responds and if he changes his behavior. And then you'll have like actual data to feel good about or bad mm-hmm. about and not like uncertainty to feel anxious about because you have no fucking idea what's going on. Right. We want you to get more certainty. This is your path forward to get that certainty. Yeah. I love the data term because that's what my therapist used to say when I would freak out about things. Mm. She was like, well, what data do you have? Mm. (laughs) And I'm like, well, let me think about it. And that's what I'm saying. Like when I did that for this scenario, I was like, okay, well, it's not as if he's like ghosting me and it's not as if, Mm -hmm. you know, he, when we spend time together, he acts, you know, completely uninterested. It's it's Mm -hmm. none of that. It's just maybe not as much communication as I would like. Right. And Um, there could be a hundred reasons for that. And some of them have nothing, you know what I mean? It could be like, he was told he texted too much in the past. Like, that's the thing. We all have these reasons we do the things we do. And Mm -hmm. often they have nothing to do with the person in front of us until they give us that information. And then we can adapt to meet them. Exactly. And I don't think that what I'm asking for is too much. Like I, no, you know, no, when you guys both not. mentioned, when you guys both mentioned that, I realized that like, yeah, I think sometimes I kind of tend to try to downplay my wants mm. and everything just because mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't want to come off as like too much or needy mm. or whatever, but like, you know, then there's the other side of it where I try to remind myself that like, you know, for the right person, my desires wouldn't be too much. Yeah. So Exactly. So your homework and your assignment is to text him this. I wrote wrote it down. That was great. Thank you. (laughs) Good job, Julie. And then you're going to come back on the podcast and you're going to tell us how it went so that we have some Mm -hmm. closure and understanding. I will. I'm excited (laughs) to see how it goes. Okay. We are too. I'm excited too. Okay. Uh, We'll talk to you soon. Thank you guys. Have a good one. Okay, Julie, that was Nikki. What are your like initial thoughts about or feelings about how that first talk went with her? I I mean, I love what Nikki brought to the table. One of my first impressions is like she knew exactly what she needed to do. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like she didn't come, like she could have given herself her own homework. And mm-hmm. I think that that is so often the case as humans. Like, I, I don't know about you, Jeff, but I feel like being able to see someone else's shit is so much easier than seeing my oh, own God. sometimes, right? Totally. Yes. And so people will bring things to therapy and I'm like, oh, I can see it so differently. And so often I will have people say, you know, what would you want a friend to do in this situation? Or what would you recommend someone you love do in this situation? Because mm-hmm. it depersonalizes it just a little bit so mm-hmm. that you can then take action and do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and there's like, there's, you know, like you're saying, we knew what she wanted us to tell her to do. Yeah. She knew she what, knew. you yeah. know, we all knew it was fucking right. going on here, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but we read the lines like good little therapist mm-hmm. and she was a good little client. She was, and she yeah. was like, okay, this is what I do. And now all of a sudden there's accountability. Like, yeah. There's somebody totally. is watching this where we gave her advice. So now she doesn't want to let us down. She doesn't want to let the yeah. podcast down. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, she's put it out there. So now she like, sometimes when you like speak it into the universe, oh, you're like, man. fuck, I have to do something about right. this now. I do that all I? the time when yeah. I don't want yeah. to do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I claim it. I name it. And then my people mm-hmm. will be like, did you do that thing, Julie? Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, and, and that's, I mean, that's a lot of what therapy is sometimes we're like, yeah. and, and we're, we're just sort of like, they're coming in, they know what they should be doing. And we're just sort of like connecting them with it. And right. then sometimes being a cheerleader and every mm-hmm. now and then writing that text, but she could have written that text she for have. herself. She could like have. Those, right. Yeah. Um, but when there's somebody like sitting right beside you doing your homework yeah. with you, it feels so much right. more manageable. And that's like, that is a top three thing I love about going to therapy myself yeah. is that like somebody's doing the hard work with me right. and holding my right. hand doing it. Right. Yep. And then they're yeah. being like, good job, Jeff, when you do it. Right. Like yes. it, it is that accountability and that celebration. And I, mm-hmm. I think too, we could say like, we knew exactly what she needed to do from the get go. And also one of the things you were doing during, during this episode was asking a bunch of other questions because sometimes what it seems like it's a about is not what it's about. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so like checking in about past relationships, checking in about feelings that come up, checking in about all of these different things, because sometimes it is super clear cut. And often there are, you know, almost like inter, it's like Christmas ornament hooks, right? You pull one up and all the hooks kind of come up with it because they're all connected. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And if she was like a regular client that I've been seeing for months or years, I would know exactly why she's fucking right. doing this yeah. and I can connect it to like her dad, not hugging her enough right. or her mom, not paying attention, <laughs> or her sister being a fucking turd or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, and, and sometimes clients really want to know why they are doing the thing yes. and that creates a feeling of healing and motivation. And sometimes yep. they're just like, shut the fuck up. Who cares? We're right. staying in the moment. What do yeah. I do about this right now? How do now? I fix this thing? Right. Yeah, let's fix it instead of analyze it, mm-hmm. um, which is like, it's fun for us to analyze. It's also fun for us to fix, kind of like be in this position where we get to fix. Right. Um, Right. And that's what we stuck with. There was also a time where one of the ways that I tried to get her to kind of like be a little bit more, I don't know, accepting or not as overwhelmed with the feelings as I was like, oh, well, 
do these feelings actually, instead of like feeling anxious and uncomfortable, do you feel like it's like sexy tension? Titillating. Yeah. Titillating. <laughs> Ooh, isn't this fun? Yeah. Because like anxiety, maybe it's like sometimes I do that for myself and with other clients yep. too. It's like the anxiety, it's like in my chest, it's in my body, I can feel it. And I get to apply whatever narrative I want to apply to it. So it can be like right. this uncomfortable negative one or this like, ooh, positive, sexy, yeah. seductive one. And that did not work. No, it didn't it did not. she shut that down so fucking fast. Um, and yeah. and so my, I have my own like ego, which is like, oof, like that, oof. just that, like I messed it up. I, I messed it up. I kind of like, there's also a part of me like in that moment and also in other like client sessions, it's just like, I let you down. Do we need oh, to repair that? Are you looking yeah. at me differently now? All of a sudden, are you not going to let me influence you otherwise? Mm. But I have, I have just enough like or maybe a lot i don't know i have enough of a relationship with her where she can like say that and yep. we can move on easily she also is like ooh therapy jeff so i get to make mistakes <laughs> and she'll do. be like yep. she'll allow me to like she'll give me a little bit more cuz mm-hmm. like she's already putting me up on a pedestal sort of thing right um but in the beginning days when i was a baby therapist and i would try a thing and Oof. it didn't work it took a while for me to like internally to recover okay. from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember learning in one of my classes that you, you should do what you did. Like you should yeah. take that risk. You should um, put something out there because even if it goes poorly, you then get the the right information from them. Like mm-hmm. if you're like, oh, is this about your father? And they're like, no, what the fuck are you talking about? Mm-hmm. It's about my uncle. Then you're like you still get the same thing. You just don't get to right. look as smart, right? Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> we get the same place, but maybe it won't feel as good for us, but it will still feel good for them. And sometimes even better because they're the ones who are kind of connecting the dot or mm. the dots or making mm-hmm. the discovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. What did you notice um, about like the stories that she was coming yeah. up with? I mean, I, I loved this. I loved this question for so many reasons. And one of them is that when we don't have enough information, our brains love to fill in the blanks, right? Mm-hmm. And the way we usually fill in the blanks either connects to what's happened historically, they connect to our fears, or sometimes they connect to like our, you know, um, our like positive projections. But usually we go to that negativity bias. And mm-hmm. so instead of it being like, oh, this is just a person who doesn't text very often, or oh, this is a person who doesn't have access to text because they work all day long or whatever mm-hmm. it is, right? Our brain goes to, oh, they're not as into me. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're probably doing it because they don't think I'm sexy or they don't, mm-hmm. they think I'm boring or whatever. Like I would just encourage anyone listening that like when you have something like this happen, ask yourself what's going on the way a reporter, like a good reporter <laughs> would report it. Here's <laughs> uh-huh. what happened. I sent a text. I didn't get a response for three or response for three hours rather than I sent a text. He didn't respond because he doesn't like me. And now my whole world's falling apart or whatever mm-hmm. that story is that can show up. Yeah. It's tricky because like it's, it feels like you're protecting yourself if you're doing the negativity bias. You're just like, well, I guess he doesn't like me. And then you can start to like detach. And I don't have to care as much. Yeah. Exactly. But if you're like, well, he's just busy and he really likes me. He just hasn't gotten back to me. Then you're still feeling vulnerable and you're setting yourself up for possibly being disappointed later on. Mm -hmm. So it's a more courageous, brave thing to assume the positive. Yeah. Um, But you have to really deliberately do that. You do. You do. Exactly. Yeah. 
So I'm really excited to see how it goes. This feels like a very tangible, here's the problem, right. here's the solution, what's going to happen now? Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, Nikki is easy to talk to and can sometimes she throw is. a curveball. So we'll see. <laughs> Ooh, I'm excited. What yeah. happens when she comes back? Are you ready? To- <laughs> I am you, ready. What yes. are you fiddling with over there? No, I was making sure my phone wasn't like on loud yeah. or anything. Yeah. Because you're probably getting so many texts now. No. <laughs> okay. Hold on. Let's back Wait, up. Okay. All right. All right. Here we uh, go. We're so happy that you're back to tell us mm-hmm. how everything went. How was your last week? Uh, thanks for having me back. Um, it went great. Or last week has been really good. I'm, yeah. I feel like I'm finally getting back into like the swing of things after like the holidays. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm recovered from the three day bender, mm-hmm. I'm good to go. <laughs> good, yeah. good. Uh, when you were on last, you were telling us about this cute new boy that you met mm-hmm. and the like very special, fun, great, like intense almost like times yeah. that you've had with him, the really good, strong connection that you had. But mm-hmm. in between the uh, good connections, it felt a little, I don't know, like disconnected or a little absent or something. Mm-hmm. And so Julie uh, wrote the text for you. <laughs> she did. And she um, did. before I went to go hang out with him, I took a quick peek at it so I could remember oh, the wording because we had plans to hang out. So I was like, okay, I'll talk to him about it then. Oh, so you, didn't, of... oh so you didn't text him about it. You're going to talk mm-hmm. to him in person. You're use your yeah, voice, Nikki. Yeah. Well, I, was like, I think that would be better to like have, you know, Great. In person, or at least like it would be better to have the discussion in person. So I will say this from when we did that um, interview to like when we hung out, communication already started improving a little bit, Ah. or at least like more consistently. So I was like, okay. I'm like, I, I seen improvement, but like, I still want to bring it up just to kind of let him know. And mm-hmm. so the way that I kind of started off was just, you know, like saying like, Hey, I've, you know, I've seen like an improvement in his area and then mm-hmm. kind of went into how, like, you know, asking him if he would be like willing to, you know, communicate a little bit more. And I mean, it went really well. He said, yeah. And he said that like, at least for him, he's, you know, like the more time that he spends with someone, the more that he'll like kind of get into like a habit of like texting them and whatnot. So, um, and then since then I would say it's definitely improved. And I like have noticed, like, for example, when we were hanging out the other day, like he left his phone in his car for like an hour Mm -hmm. and like had no idea where it was. And like, sometimes he'll like leave it in another room charging for, you know, however length of time. So I'm like, okay, maybe sometimes it's just not there. Like he's not ignoring my text or anything like it's, You know, and I realized that, like, everyone's got different patterns of, like, communicating and, like, I need to not take it personally, still advocate for my needs, but, like, try not to take it so personally when I'm like, okay, well, I'm like this and you're like this. And since you're not like this now, is something wrong with me? You know, Mm -hmm. so it's like, that was like a, a good learning opportunity. Yeah. Huh. When you brought it up to him, how were you feeling? Were you anxious or worried? Were you excited to say something? I was a little anxious. Mm-hmm. But then his response I thought was like really positive. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, that made me like feel safe to like bring it up, you know, or like in the future, if I wanted to bring something up, it made me feel like, okay, I can do that without it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. being yes. like a turnoff or anything. So you didn't feel like ashamed or unattractive or silly needy. for bringing, yeah, needy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I know I, that's what I mentioned before in our last recording was that like, I didn't want to come off as needy and I didn't feel needy when I said that. And Good. so, and his response was like, 
it didn't make me feel any of those things. So I thought it was really good. Was he like surprised? Was he, did he like not even know that maybe you would be feeling this way? Like, how did he respond? He's definitely said before that he's not the best texter. So I think he's aware that like, he's not Mm. someone that is just like super like responsive. No, I, I think he kind of like, at least when I brought it up, he kind of realized like, yeah, this is like kind of a thing. That's why he like gave Mm. me the reassurance that like it would increase if that makes sense. I see. So he's heard this before, basically. Yeah. (laughs) I would imagine. Yeah. Uh Yeah. And so it sounds like communication has, there's been an uptick since then. And also on your end, just sort of like more acceptance around maybe he doesn't respond as quickly as I would like him to, but that's not because he's not into you. It's just like the dummy left his phone in the other room and it's on silent. (laughs) Like that's a different type of red flag, right? You think so? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just kidding. I'm not trying know, to like. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. No, no, no. I get it. Cause like, but I think it also was like a good learning opportunity for me to kind of, you know, because it has been, I mean, I've had like casual connections, but you know, it's still been probably at least six plus months since I've like actually mm. explored anything with anyone. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of a reminder that like, you know, everyone's different Mm-hmm. And, you know, just because like their patterns are different than, you know, from a previous, you know, connection or whatever, it doesn't mean that like there's not as much interest right. or like that there's yeah. something wrong or whatever. Yes. So, yeah. So here's a question though. Um, I think sometimes when we're in the situation that you are in where it's like, I'm not quite getting as mm-hmm. much attention or communication as I'd like, then it creates that sort of like anxiety that we're talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. But then when you do get it, there's like a big like dopamine hit and then it goes away and then there's a dopamine hit. Yeah. With the improved communication now, are you a little more like meh about the connection? Because like now there isn't this like up and down of like sometimes like you when you get what you want, it's like, uh, well, now there isn't the tension anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, I know what you're saying. And I know exactly what you mean by the dopamine hit, because that's how it would be. He would text me yeah. and be like, oh, everything's fine. And then exactly. it'd be like eight hours later. And I'm like, everything's not fine. I'm freaking out. Right, right, and then right. I was like, oh, wait, he texted me back. It's fine. And then I, and then I realized I'm like, this isn't healthy. I need right. to work on this. But there's mm. something sort of addictive about that it in is, a way. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Right? Yeah. Has that gone away? Um, I mean, I've definitely gotten like better at like, if, for example, if he, if it has been kind of a window where he hasn't texted me back, I'm like, it's fine. He'll respond Mm -hmm. eventually. It's okay. Mm -hmm. I don't need to freak out. Relax. Mm -hmm. Um, however, like whether or not that like kind of up and down has like affected my like excitement about him. Definitely not. I'm still Mm. super like excited about the connection and like, we're going to a play party on Saturday that I'm very excited about, but I'm curious to see how it goes. Because now I have to do all that, like, jealousy work again. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you talk to him about what you're looking for? I mean, that's one of the things we talked about last time is kind of this ultimate vision of what you would like. And you haven't really talked about monogamy versus non-monogamy as much. Like, did you have a more, another conversation before this play party came up? We did. Okay. Um, And I'm trying to remember when, because we... We had another conversation where we kind of like established, you know, that we see potential, but on his end, at least he wants to take it a little bit slow. Okay. And I'm just trying to remain patient with that. And I think that's fine. I mean, we've only known each other like less than a month, so it's totally fine. Um, But when it came to the play party, um, like at least for me, you know, 
I love going to play parties and like, that's a big part of my life. And so, you know, on one hand I was like, okay, is it too soon? Do I need to like give it a little bit more time to like, you know, let this establish before we jumping into this. But on the other hand, I was like, this is a great party. I know the host, he doesn't host them that often. And like, it's a great opportunity. I'm like, if anything, maybe it'll be like a good indicator of like where this might go. I don't know. Or like, you know, maybe kind of give us a little bit more insight in that environment. Um, so we'll yeah. see. I don't know. I mean, there, you could learn a lot <laughs> in that I situation. Think so. Yeah. yeah, and I was yeah. like, well, might as well go for it. Um, but yeah, we did kind of have a discussion where it's like, okay, this is kind of where we're at. Um, and mm-hmm. at least for me, it didn't affect whether or not I wanted to like still take him to this party. So yeah. Do you have any like? Uh, have you talked about like expectations or boundaries or rules or what you how you want the play party to go with you two? We did. We said we want to like play together with other people. So like not do anything separately, which I really Mm. appreciated because like, at least when I first, he asked me first, he was like, well, what's your expectation here? And I was like, well, I would prefer if we did everything together. And he was like, that's what I was thinking. So -hmm. we were on the same page there, Mm -hmm. um, which was nice. And then we did talk a little bit, talk about it a little bit more last night where it was just kind of like, you know, I, I'm bi. So like, I'm good with playing with women. I was like, are you cool with like men? He was like, I'm not, I don't want to play with men, but like if we're tag teaming, it's fine. Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So we did talk about some of those things and Mm -hmm. it went well. So yeah. Yeah. And do you know, has he ever been to a play party? He's been to one. Okay. Yeah. Whereas I've been to probably over 30, but (laughs) yeah. So it might be, so that's like a funny, I don't, is that some sort of like, there's something there. This like dynamic, dynamic, power dynamic, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I would imagine that like, he might be really overwhelmed, but in good ways and, and anxious ways, Uh, but it's like a lot to take in probably. Yeah. And I mean, I gave him like, at least I told him my, what I like to do in situations where I'm overwhelmed. For example, I told him, I'm like, okay, if say we're like in a threesome and you're not feeling it, you need more attention, whatever, like two taps, you need more attention, three, get me out of here. Mm. Or like if the taps aren't registering, just like tell me you need to go get a Gatorade. Because, like, water, I get it. You know, like, everyone needs water every now and then. Like, they're going to come hydrate back. when you're doing the yeah, fucking. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, like, yeah. for me, at least what I've done in the past is that, like, you know, I, my friend, her and I used to have this thing where it was, like, anytime we were, like, get me the fuck out of here, we we're, like, I need to go get a Gatorade. And that's how we knew. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of told him, like, some of those things just so that, like, he's aware of, like, ways to, like, get out of a situation if he's uncomfortable without being, like, hey, I need to get out of this situation because I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. So. Are there typically lots of Gatorades at play parties? Is this, no. like, no, okay. <laughs> I, I just want, I mean, maybe that's how it is. But this is like BYOB, so maybe I'll actually bring a Gatorade so that, like... Yeah, BYOG, later, I guess, Yeah, later the, mm-hmm. later the person sees us, where's your Gatorade? Never found it. I don't know. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. Oh, God. So um, I really want now another fucking follow-up. Now yeah, we need no, another, yeah. I know. I really want to know. How does it typically go, like, when you're in these situations and you first bring somebody to a play party? Like, is that a good time, usually? I mean, the last time I brought um, someone that I had feelings for to an orgy, it went really well. Um mm. And that relationship was a little bit more established. So we were like down to like play a part Mm -hmm. and we did, 
Um, so I definitely had like a lot more safety in it and I felt really comfortable and yeah, I mean, we had a great time and I think like it kind of, he had never done anything like that. So like it showed him more of like my world and mm-hmm. I think it made him more like open to the things that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a good experience. And then my ex-husband and I used to go to those parties together mm-hmm. as well. I've taken dates before. Mm-hmm. Um, so at least for me, like it's definitely not my first rodeo, right. but it's definitely been like at least a year since I've taken someone that I like had feelings oh. for to an event like this. And I'm happy to do a follow-up. So y'all just let me know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think we're going to have to, mm-hmm. are there also, are there like, are there feelings or emotions that you're a little nervous about possibly experiencing at the play party? Like when would you ask to go get Gatorade? Cool. I mean, I, I definitely consider them like, what if I get jealous? Cause like, right. I definitely have feelings for this dude. Like what if, right. you know, I see him, you know, even though, even if it's the three of us together playing with like some girl, like, am I going to feel some type of way if they're like kissing or whatever? And mm-hmm. honestly, like, I think what I've thought for myself is that like, I have my mechan- coping mechanisms for when it comes to jealousy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just a good opportunity to tap into those. And, mm-hmm. you know, if it needs to warrant a discussion afterwards, or if it like gives mm-hmm. me any like realizations or anything, then we can debrief. Mm-hmm. I love a good debrief after mm-hmm. a play party. So, yeah. I don't know. There's like, there's something interesting right now for me, like having this discussion with you, Nikki, is that like the way that you're talking about this play party and the times that you've gone and how you're like emotionally preparing and doing like communication. This sounds like very like high emotional IQ shit, right? Like this is, this is very impressive, like with how you're managing all of this stuff and you have like a lot of experience. So, I, I love to see that. I'm super impressed. And you also, your original problem was like something that we can all relate to. Yeah. So like you can be like, you can be very emotionally intelligent because you're putting that on display for us right now talking about this play party, but you're also like a normal person, just like <laughs> everybody else that gets anxious when you first ha- like experience uncertainty with a new mm-hmm. person that you like. And I, you're just like, so I just want to point that out and, and I love Thank to see you. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will take that as a compliment from a therapist. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Do you, I mean, are you seeing the same thing, Julie? Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also love that you know, with the original thing you brought in about the texting, not only were you like, "Hey, I did this scary thing and it went well," which I think people need to hear. You know, people mm-hmm. need to hear that possibility. You also took it a step farther and were like, "And also, I realized some of my reaction had nothing to do with him not texting me because of feelings. Like I was creating stories in my head, right?" And so mm-hmm. it's like that is a super common thing people experience as well of like, you know, we assume sometimes the worst rather than assuming the best or even just neutral when someone's Mm -hmm. not responding the way or as quickly as we want. Exactly. Yeah. I think I'm definitely someone that overthinks and will make up all kinds of stories. Mm-hmm. Oh man, like they can get way the hell out there. So <laughs> I've, I've over the years, at least I've realized that like, sometimes I need to be the one to reel myself in mm-hmm. and like, I can't put that expectation on the other person to like, always give me the reassurance. Like it's also on me to like recognize my own patterns and, you know, mm-hmm. be able to like work on them and, you know, have the awareness and be like, okay, I see it now let's dial it back in. Mm-hmm. Um, I did therapy as well after my divorce. And I think that really mm-hmm. helped me, Um, but also, I don't know, maybe just like, I realized that a lot of 
like the processing and, you know, like emotional awareness that I do comes from like my relationship with my sister. Mm-hmm. We point each other out like, or we point mm-hmm. everything out to each other. And so like, mm-hmm. there's just always been this like incredible sense of awareness. And, you know, we talk about it very openly. And I think that like carries into my other relationships as well, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You can see that. You can hear that on your podcast with Cammy. Every episode is that you're calling each other out. You're being like gentle and also like funny about it. And yeah, yeah. it's a really good, healthy example of a good, close relationship. Um, yeah, so we're going to have to have you on for a third time to like, let us know how the play party goes. Um, yeah, but we're really happy that you came on and that you did the thing and now problem solved. You're cured. You're fine. Everything's good. I'm doing Mm -hmm. better. Okay, you're doing better. better. All right. Yeah, that's probably a better way to put it. All right. And I'm also Uh, just like feeling a lot better about taking it slow, which is nice. I just... Yeah. I, I'm someone that like, as soon as I'm like, yep, I'm like, let's do it. Let's go for it. And so for someone else to be like, I see it, but let's, you know, slow it down. I'm like, okay, I need to, now's the time to practice patience. I, so I told yeah, myself 2024, sure. I will be more patient. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You're going to slow it down and fuck people in front of each other a little bit. <laughs> no big deal. Very very good um okay we're gonna let you go thank you so much for being thank on the you. show and we'll follow up with you later thanks for having me y'all have a good mm-hmm. one thanks you too okay julie uh-huh. yeah that was fun that was and uh-huh. it was different right it was different it kind of like took a few twists and turns in a way as well Yeah, it did take some twists and turns, and we'll get there. Uh, But first, going back to just sort of like her original issue, right, is like, you know, that sort of age-old, I feel uncertainty, I don't know how Mm -hmm. to handle the anxiety, and then she goes ahead and says something about it. And kudos to her for not texting it. I know. It's really vulnerable to do it, period, right? And I often will um, recommend for folks that, like, if they're like, I can't do it in person, then we talk about other ways you can do it. And it's okay if it feels too vulnerable to do it in person. But she was committed to that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really brave. And it sounds like it really paid off for her, too. Is there something, you know how she said that, like, I was like, Julie even wrote it for you. And then she said that she, like, read it before, Before. you know. There's, like, something so so precious. Yeah. Yeah. And and you get to feel like you're, like, really influencing their life Mm -hmm. in a, like, positive, healthy way. Right. You You do that for your clients sometimes, don't you? Like, give them feedback if they're writing a letter to, like, a parent or, you know, Mm -hmm. or saying something that feels really scary or hard, helping Mm -hmm. them frame it in a way that's not as scary. Yeah. Yeah. I love that part of the job. And it's, it's something that like as therapists, we actually, I I don't think that we get to experience it as much as we'd like. Like we think that we're having a positive effect and we hope that we are on our clients, Mm -hmm. but when they come back and they're like, I did the thing and I used the words that we came up with and it went well, then it's like, because we don't get like we don't typically get like annual reviews right. or, or tips like usually, when we yeah. do really well twenty percent right. here you go yeah <laughs> exactly. yeah yeah so these mm-hmm. this is our version of getting a little tip and getting yeah. some like positive reinforcement that we know that we're doing it 
that we're doing a good mm-hmm. job. And so good yeah, job, Julie. Really you did a really good job. Oh, mm-hmm. thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Um, and then it's funny how sometimes, like, you know, the first time we talked, it was all about this anxiety. And then she went and she addressed it. And it was like, oh, now it's fine. Gone. We're done. <laughs> I, it's know. Like, oh. I know. Okay. Like, yeah. like good. Also right. a little anticlimactic in a way. Because <laughs> I feel like on, like, the follow-up sessions of these, like, uh-huh. kind of tricky ones i'm just like i'm yeah. i'm ready what yes. else do we need to fucking do right but this was solved right done yeah. this part mm-hmm. was done this, this part. you know what i think helped not just the brilliant text that i gave her <laughs> right. but also um her her self-awareness about her part of stuff did mm. you see like she mm-hmm. was not like this person doesn't text me enough this person does. it was like i noticed my reaction to it I'm paying attention to what comes up for me. I'm mm-hmm. working on this piece. And when we're only looking at another person to give us what we need, we feel like we have no control in the situation, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I don't want people to feel like they have to control every situation. There's there's definitely, you know, one end of the continuum that's too mm-hmm. controlling. But mm-hmm. to feel like you have a little bit of agency can really help calm an anxious nervous system. Yeah, exactly. And I think looking back on that... I wish I would have said there, like, look how strong you are. Look how powerful you are. Look at what you did. You know, like you put the pieces together. You Mm. felt better. Like thickening that narrative, right, of like her, like figuring this shit out on her own and like seeing what was going on, that he's just like a dummy when it comes to his phone. (laughs) For some reason, he's not glued to his phone. What the fuck is wrong with him? And I got like, when I made that joke of like, oh, I guess that's another red flag. I was like... Uh, this is like, you got to watch out about how you can influence clients so easily when they put you in this power position, right? Right. This position of power. And so I tried to like pull back and I was like joking around, but that is a real like thing that I have to look out for when I'm being a therapist is don't joke around Jeff. Yes. Cause like it might not land and it's not really appropriate. Like this is a podcast and I know Nikki, so okay. But in therapy, like Mm -hmm. I am holding myself back. My clients have no idea how fucking hilarious (laughs) I am. But then there was that other part where, and I was like being very genuine about this where like she was talking about the play party. So we're talking about the play party and all that stuff. And you do have to be super fucking oh emotionally gosh. intelligent to navigate. And when I mean like in this situation, in this case, when I'm talking about emotional intelligence, like when you go to a play party, especially with somebody that you're just starting to see, and she referenced it a bit, like she's going to feel feelings yep. yeah. that might be insecure or jealousy or mm-hmm. envy or feeling mm-hmm. left out, uh, like feelings that are uncomfortable to feel sometimes. And it seems like she's just going to, sit with them. She's just going to witness them and she's going to like choose whether or not like how much she can tolerate it. Um, what like narrative she wants to attach to it. Right. And there's a certain type of emotional intelligence. That's what I'm talking about when you're able to like be with those feelings and not let them overwhelm you because it's hard. Right. Oh my gosh. It's, it feels almost impossible because often those specific emotions are like rolling emotions, right? Mm -hmm. Or like, Mm -hmm. like we feel them in our body without even being able to think about what they are sometimes. And so Mm -hmm. for her to be like, yeah, this is probably going to happen. And I'm just going to, I have good coping mechanisms, she said, which is Mm -hmm. also, I think Mm -hmm. part of that emotional intelligence. Like I, it's not that I'm often people are afraid of emotions and afraid of being overwhelmed by emotions. But when you know that emotions 
are not going to last for the rest of your, you're not going to feel this one thing for the rest of your life. Right. Mm -hmm. And also that when you feel a certain way that either you can sit with it and be okay, or there are things you can ask for or do that will help you not feel such an intense emotional reaction. Mm -hmm. That is huge as well. Yeah, exactly. So very impressive. And, and it's funny cause like, and like I was saying, uh, we might like, somebody might've listened to the first session and been like, maybe her emotional intelligence isn't really high because she's freaking right. out so much. About but a text message. About right? a text message. <laughs> right? So yeah. small. Yet yeah. she's like, you know, is okay watching her, this new guy, like have sex yeah. with another person in front of him. Right. Um, it's like that, it's still, it can be incredibly overwhelming when you're not getting a text. The uncertainty, mm-hmm. the anxiety, um, and it doesn't mean that she doesn't have like high emotional intelligence because of that. It's, it might mean she's like so present with her feelings and she was yeah. feeling so stuck. Um, but she did a really good job talking to us about it, addressing it, talking to him about it. I'm yeah. happy that he was like, it sounds like he was really validating. So responsive. Like, this is the thing yeah. I do and I'm going to try yeah. to be better now. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's also this piece, Jeff, too, of like everybody, we all experience vulnerability in different ways, anxiety in different ways. And the things that like, I'm like, that is so not a big deal can feel like such a big deal to other people. And I think it's important that people hear that something that might be really easy for you could be really difficult for me even with all my years of education and my decade and a half in private practice, like Mm -hmm. there are certain things because of my childhood or my relationships or just who I am in the world that are hard for me that might not make sense to other people. And those are the places I show up consistently and do the work and practice shifting those things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a really good point. Well, it turns out that you and I are national treasures. If you have a problem, we'll solve it. Uh-huh. We're two mm-hmm. for two. Now. <laughs> I know. We could solve it, I think. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you so much for Aww. being with me, Thanks Julie. Thanks for having I me. cannot wait to have you back. Yay. You're so lovely. We're such a good team together. <laughs> Everyone can see it. It's true. All right. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye.